You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. How's everybody doing today? So the class that we're going to be teaching today is the power to change. And if you're in the wrong place, this is the time to change. (laughs) But, um... You know, we just wanted to break the ice a little bit here and just start pretty light in here. Let me ask you a question. What is one of those things that you change every day? We got some candy for whoever wants to participate. Oh, gosh, I can't throw. Close, yes. So we're going to give it to you there. What else? What else do we change every day? There you go. Um, Yes, what else? I hope we do. What else? Oh, change your attitude. Oh, I try. What else? Yes, Jerry. There we go. So there's a lot of things that we change every day. What about every other week or every month or... Every six weeks. Yes, she gets two of them. She knows. <laughs> All right, we just got candy for everybody, but thank you for participating. You know, you know, we want you guys to stay awake. But um, now I'll introduce myself. My name is Jonathan Galvan. So, as you guys hear, um, I help out with the Spanish-speaking ministry. So if I start speaking Spanish, please forgive me. Just help me out here and say, hey, what did you just say? Or someone could translate for me. And it's been a pleasure to work with Monica Banks, and she could introduce herself. I'm Monica Banks, also known as Moncia, or Mon, I don't know what they had on the screen, but Monica Banks. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to be able to teach this class with Jonathan, and hopefully you guys will get a lot out of it. Awesome. The power to change. When they gave me the the title here, I remember, you know, self-motivation and trying to advance yourself. And it's so interesting because it takes me back to my journey when I was 18. As you notice, I have an accent. So I was born in Mexico, and I came here when I was 12. So I didn't know much what was going on in life until I wanted to go to college and do something with my life. So I started reading self-help books. Where they're like, the power to change. If you want to make a difference, sales. You got to go into sales. So I started reading a lot of those books. And I started motivating myself. And I'm like, I got to change. And it felt like everyone has an answer in how to change. They offer you this. They offer you that. But the coolest thing and we're going to learn today, if you're a business for the first time, is what the Bible has to offer you. What the Bible says about change. And how he help us in a real way. And that's what we're here for. To illustrate from a, from a biblical perspective what changes. And if you guys want to open your Bibles or if you're next to somebody, uh, I wanted to share the scripture here. And that's Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And I'm going to read in a different translation. So... In Espanol. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it in Espanol. 
So he reads. And uh, we're going to do verse 2 here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing that you might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And that's why we're here, because we want to learn about renewing your mind, transforming the way you think, and how through a story in the Bible, we're going to learn how this man that was recording the Bible transformed his mind, transformed his life. And through the story of Monica, we're going to see that as well. And if you guys are following up with the book, the book talks about a different man. The Bible talks about Israel, or it talks about um, Jacob. And they talk about four processes, and I got a handout that we put for you guys together. But we just felt inspired that, you know what, we're just going to go without the handout, and we're going to let you guys know what God taught us. And I got the handout if you guys want the notes from the book. I actually read the book, <laughs> so I could share this with you guys. But we're going to go in inspiration here. And the, the scripture we're going to read is in Genesis chapter 35. And this is the story of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob, the, the story that it is in the book. But we're going to read about, and we're going to study a little bit about Joseph. So in verse 45, verse 3, it's kind of like the summary. We're going to the end, and Monica is going to illustrate his life, and how he relates to her, and how to help her out. But in verse 45, verse 3, it actually says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. So that's what we're going to look into it. Change, whatever we do, the power to change is really God's will for something great. And with that, Monica. Yay. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, so with the illustrations that you guys shared earlier, change is a part of our lives. Um, sometimes it's pretty mundane, like changing your socks, um, changing the oil in your car. Um, but sometimes it's much bigger. Um, the story I'm going to share is pretty big life change. Um, but change in our lives, whether it's Big or small, good or bad, um, what I've learned personally is when God is involved, when God is in the center, it makes things that much better versus when I try to do things on my own or do things on my own strength. Um, and then just one scripture that really helps me when I'm going through different changes in life or even difficulties in life, or even when things are good, not to be super negative, um, is in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, and it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, and Jonathan made a reference to Joseph because actually that's someone in the Bible that I really admire. Um, he went through so many different changes in his life, um, his status, where he lived, um, his family, so many different changes. But through every single change that he made, um, God was at the center of it. And he never lost his faith. He never lost um, just the fact that he knew that God loved him and God was there for him. He just continued to persevere, and that's definitely um, something that I've learned and tried my best to really just imitate. Um, so 
one of the biggest changes I've had in my life is actually a career change. Um, I'm the type of person, I figure out what I want to do, how to do it, and I just go for it. Here's a perfect example. Um, when I was in first grade, um, a couple days a week, my sister and I would go to this after-school program. Um, and so I remember one day there was like a, one of those partitions and I heard this noise and I looked around the corner and there were these girls doing gymnastics. Mind you, I'm like six or seven years old. So I sauntered my little self over there and found the instructor. I was like, excuse me, how can I be in this class? She's like, well, you need to go to your mom, get a check, and then you can be in the class. So I went home. I was like, mom, I need a check. <laughs> I was like, I want to be in gymnastics. And she was like, okay. So she wrote me a check. Next day, went to after school program with my little pink sweats and my pink leotard, and like, here's my check. I want to be in this class. And that kind of set the foundation for my life. Like I set a goal, figure out what I need to do, do the research, and I just go for it. Um, and so that's how I got to law school. Um, with some encouragement from my parents, that's a whole separate lesson and story. Um, and my career path was I went to undergrad, studied political science. Right after college, I went to law school. And I hated it. <laughs> um, I thought, okay, it's just really hard and it's stressful, but it'll be different when I'm working. And so I got my first summer job and noticed I had anxiety attacks and it was really hard to breathe. And I was like, why? What is wrong with me? I'm like, okay, maybe it's just stress. It's my first time ever working like a full eight-hour day. Not a big deal. Mind you, I'd have to get up in the morning and go to class, and I didn't want to get out of bed, which is very uncharacteristic to me. I love school. I love learning. The whole Socratic method thing, people were mean. I always tell people, legally blonde is so accurate. I mean, aside from all the pink, um, people are mean, right? My, my colleague over there knows, knows the struggle is real. Um, but I was like, okay, this is just really hard. This is just, maybe it's just the first year of law school. Things got better. I don't want to, if you are an aspiring attorney and that's your goal and your dream, go for it. Um, but for me, like the first year was really rough. I'm like, okay, maybe it's just first year. So second year got a little bit better. And I got a job with um, a couple of my friends from school, actually working in Palos Verdes at a law firm. It's great, you know, getting paid, learning the law. But again, I had anxiety attacks. I'm like, why can't I breathe? Like, why, what is this stress? Like, I've always been an overachiever and worked really hard, and I never had these weird health-related issues. Um, and this pattern just kind of continued. Um, got my first job. Worked for a crazy man, like legit certifiable crazy. <laughs> he was crazy, and my friend over there actually worked with me. I got her a job, and I was like, I am so sorry I got you this job. Um, <laughs> it was awful, um, but I was losing my hair. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. Um, I was constantly stressed out. I was getting sick all the time. My doctor and I were really good friends because I would see him every couple of weeks. It was so bad, I would look forward to having a doctor's appointment because that meant I could go to the office late. That's how bad it was. So I was like, this isn't good. And then on top of that, working from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m., like on the regular, not like, oh, we had a trial. There was no trial. Um, working the weekends. I, like, I go home at like 8 o'clock, and I was actually roommates with RNA at the time. She never saw me. And if I was home, I was in my room, like, going through depositions and, like, writing briefs. I'm like, okay. I'm, at the time, I was 25, 26 years old. I'm like, one day I get married and have kids. Like, how is this going to work? I, would, I knew the cleaning crew that came at 930. I'm like, oh, hey. Up, like, because I was at work typing away. Um, so I started to pray a lot. I was like, okay, this isn't normal. I'm constantly stressed out. I'm constantly sick. Maybe I just need to um, find another job at another law firm, maybe do government work. 
Um, so at this time, I was interviewing different places, um, got a job offer in Fresno. I was like, God, I don't think you want me in Fresno because I know I don't want to be in Fresno. So I was like, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Um, but at the time, um, so a little bit about me. I'm super analytical, but then also super creative. So when I was uh, 16, I was like, Mom, I want to go to FITM. She said, no. <laughs> She's like, you're going to go to UCLA and you're going to go to law school. I don't know how she knew my life when I was 16 because I went to UCLA and then I went to law school. Um, and so I just kind of went on that path. But I still had this desire to pursue my love for fashion or something creative, something business-related. Um, so I was like, Mom and Dad, I'm going to go get my master's in apparel merchandising. And they're like, you are crazy. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, you work so hard. Just, you know, maybe get your MBA or go work somewhere else. But there was this passion. And at the time I'm interviewing, I got into this master's program. Um, and I was like, you know what? love you, Mom and Dad. I know you're not going to – they didn't speak to me for like a month. <laughs> Amen. They love Jesus, and we made amends. But um, I just pursued what I wanted to do, and it was night and day. Like when I went to my fashion program, I was so happy. I was like the second top student in the department. I was like straight A's, and I was a research assistant, had all these really cool jobs and internships, and I was happy. And that solidified that, okay, I'm really glad. At age 26, I decided to make a change, and I didn't just – Stick with the law because, well, you made your, ba you made your bed and you have to lay in it. Um, one of my friends actually inspired me, who I went to law school with. Um, I saw her at a friend's wedding, and she's like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. This is awful. And I was like, oh, you can get out. I feel like I was in prison. I'm like, oh, I can leave? <laughs> and so she kind of started this trend. So she kind of she did, like, health care administration for law. I did apparel merchandise. And another good friend whose wedding actually was, she wasn't even in the room at the time, she went and got her master's in school counseling. My friend over there got her MSW and is now a therapist. So <laughs> when I tell people that I used to be an attorney, I get one of two reactions. The first one is, like, they're appalled and, like, horrified. Like, I personally insulted them, like, what? You're, why aren't you a lawyer anymore? I'm like, you obviously don't know many attorneys or you don't really know. It's not, you know, suits or law and order and all fancy like that. It's crazy. Um, or people are like, wow, that's really amazing that you were brave and you made that change and you didn't just kind of stick with something because that's what you started out doing. And honestly, it wasn't because I'm this like amazing, talented person. It's honestly because of God. Um, I prayed a lot. Um, I prayed for my parents to get on board and, you know, they're super supportive. Um, and I prayed for um, just guidance and um, clarity in terms of where I should go. So I finished my program. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work in fashion. Um, my coworkers over there, no. I know they look fashionable and stylish, but we don't work at, like, a fashion company together. Um, so what happened is I finished, you know, my program, and then I ended up working at a couple law firms while I kind of, like, figured out what career path. And then I ended up at this um, digital marketing agency actually a couple blocks away. Um, and it's really funny going on interviews when you have a law background for a non-law <laughs> job. People are like, what are you doing? Are you, like, all over the place? Um, but it's funny because the HR director told me. The reason why she called me is because she saw law on my application. She's like, she was honestly just curious. It wasn't that my resume compelled her. She's like, I just want to hear what this girl has to say, <laughs> literally. And so – I applied for another position in another department, and on the phone, she's like, you know what, I know you applied for this, but I think you'd be really good in this other department. She's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I literally have no idea what that is. Tell me what the job is. I'm like, sure. And so I went, and I interviewed for both positions, and she was like, kind of like, which department do you like? And so I chose the department I'm in now, which three of my colleagues are there are in the same department as me. And then the other job I originally applied to and interviewed for, actually the department doesn't exist anymore. 
So totally God <laughs> watching me, like watching over me and like watching my life. And I feel like Joseph because I feel like everything that I did when I made that decision based off of faith, God was so faithful to me. Like whether it was I found favor um, with my professors or with my employers, even the people I interned for, they're like, do you want a full-time job? I'm like, oh, I don't really want to work for you, but thank you so much um, for the offer. And I just learned so much in two years. Um, and I've met these wonderful people that I get to work with every day. And I, I really just feel like God has been so good to me. Um, and like the scripture that uh, Jonathan had referenced um, about Joseph when um, he basically told his brothers, like, hey, I know you sold me into slavery, um, but it's me and I forgive you. And I just think about Joseph's life. For those of you who don't really know about Joseph, um, I just want to read just one verse, which kind of sets the stage for his life and why he went on the journey that he went on in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. It says, Now Israel, also known as Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So this is when he was a young teenager. So from the get-go, he had a tough road ahead of him. My brothers hate me, and my dad loves me, but that's great because there were 12 of them. So <laughs> you got like 11 versus 1. You're not really good straights. And then it just kind of goes on, and you just see um, the different trials and different struggles that he went through. Um, eventually his brothers actually sell him into slavery. First they were going to kill him. But like, no, he's our brother. Let's not kill him. We'll just sell him to slavery. And so in all these different stages – sorry, I'm like chewing gum. That's smelling special. <laughs> um, in all these different stages <laughs> – um, you see Joseph go through these different changes in life. So in Genesis 37, he's sold by his brothers. In Genesis 39, um, he goes into his master's house. Um, but you see him going from favorite son actually to favorite slave and servant. Um, in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 39, in verses 1 through 5, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And it's just amazing how this, literally this kid gets sold into slavery and this grown man who works for Pharaoh found favor not because of his high esteem and his high position, but because God loved, this honestly, this teenager. Now, Potiphar's wife loved this teenager too. It was a little inappropriate with him. And um, when Joseph didn't respond to her advances, she accuses him of assaulting her. He goes to prison. <laughs> A little awkward, but even when he gets sent to prison, God didn't forget him. Um, in chapter 39, in verses 20 through 23, you see the same pattern. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he, has made res he was held responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Um, and I feel like 
God has been the same with me. Not saying I'm as awesome as Joseph by any means. Um, but I was fortunate enough to like grow up in a household where my parents loved God and read the Bible to my sisters and I from a very young age. And I honestly feel like through every single stage of my life, good and bad, because my coworkers have seen me really stressed out um, and, you know, not the same level of stress as before, but, you know, being tested, honestly, and my trust and confidence in God, the same way that Joseph was tested. He's like, okay, I'm going to rip you from your family, and you're going to be a slave, but he still worked hard, and God was still glorified. I'm going to put you in prison for something you did not do. In fact, you were being righteous and faithful. He was being faithful to God, and he got punished for being put in prison, but God didn't forget him. He literally was running a jail. He was probably like 18, 19 at the time. Um, and the pattern just continues. He's sitting in prison for a couple of years. He helps out some of the king's officials. They get, well, one dies, and one gets released, and he's forgotten, and he just sits there. Um, and then, you know, God gave him some supernatural powers to interpret dreams, um, and he eventually ends up interpreting a dream for the king. Um, and then in verse, in chapter 41, verses 14 through 16, it's, this is, um, Pharaoh speaking, trying to get Joseph to come interpret this crazy dream he has. And it says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you can, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now, Joseph had every opportunity to kind of take the glory for himself. He's like, look. I'm pretty amazing. My dad loved me the most. Even though I was a slave, I was running the house. I was running the jail. Of course that I can interpret your dream. But he gave all the glory. He gave all the credit to God. And God definitely blesses humility. And I feel like even in my change of career path, because, you know, law school, as stress-inducing as it was, it was excellent training. Um, I learned how to read and write and speak of the law. I did all these law clerk things. And then I worked as an attorney. I go into digital marketing. Like I said, I literally didn't know what it was. I'm like, I am not computer savvy, as they can attest. I like to handwrite things. Um, but God, you know, definitely humbled me. And, like, God was with me. Like, there were so many days, even now, that I pray. I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. Please give me the wisdom and the humility that I need. And I have to, like, ask for help constantly and just learn things or read blogs and just constantly ask questions. Um, and all the credit always goes to God and not me at all. Um, and so I really love this in the end. So if you look at verse 39 of chapter 41, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And this is Egypt, and this is a time when, like, Egypt was running things, like, in the world, you know, not just in, like, that corner of the world, like, the world. They're very powerful. The Pharaoh's very powerful. And here he is, you know, entrusting this Israelite to his kingdom, to his palace. And basically, he's like, except for me, this all belongs to you. And I feel, again, the same way, like, God has entrusted me with things. I, like, got assigned an account that I did not deserve at all. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but God is with me. And he, through, like, teamwork, and he, I feel like even through that, God showed me what it means to work as a team and not be so self-reliant, but to get help from other people. And I've learned a lot of character things, and I feel like he produced a lot of good things in me through his, you know, through his grace. Um, and as Jonathan referenced before, the story ends with Joseph not only forgiving his brothers, but really loving them. And then his whole family gets reunited. His dad comes back, even though he's, like, super old. 
Um, but they're a family again. And again, there's no way someone can go from favorite child to favorite slave to favorite prisoner slash mini prison warden to king's interpreter um, to being reunited and having a forgiving heart if God is not the center of their being. If he would have relied on himself or his own abilities or his own skill or his own, because he was described as being like very attractive, his own good looks to kind of like get by on things, this story might have ended in a different way. And so it's very humbling to me to not rely on myself and my talents or my abilities or my training or my education, my experience, but really just always remembering that all of those blessings come from God and by his grace. And I'm just but a lowly servant who's, you know, been blessed with the opportunity to know who God is and to live for him. So that's my story. <laughs> and, um, you know, thank you again, Monica. I don't think many of us will humbly just say, you know what, I whatever thousands of dollars and hours of study, law school, I'm switching to another place. <laughs> and I think that's what makes God so real, that when a human being follows, even the, the scripture we read, Romans 12, says you'll know what is good, you'll know what is excellent, you'll know what is perfect. And a lot of times God is calling our attention. Even as she mentioned, you know, you're losing your hair. The best vacations you do is to the doctor. Those are warnings. There's something going on there. It's like even the scripture says, test, test it. And a lot of times I remember getting those warnings myself. Like I have gone through a lot of change. I remember when I first came to the U.S. I didn't even know they speak English here. So I remember being in the street and someone talking to me. And all what I said is, yes, yeah. And I can't remember. I remember the first time I say, my name is Jonathan. And it was constant changing myself. When I first came to the United States, I remember American really meant to me rap. Like I was dressed up like a rapper because I came in the hood. So that was for me to Americanize myself. I still remember those changes that I had to go through. But then later on, you know, going through different places, continue adapting, continue changing. And I'm sure Joseph had to go through those things. But I really think what really brought me into my life is when they introduced me about, you know, about God. That's when it started bringing meaning to my life. Because even being in America, I learned you have to have goals. You have to be driven. You have to do something with your life. And I still remember when I was studying the Bible, and they were like, okay, so what do you want to do with your life? Oh, what I don't want to do with my life. By 20, I say, by 25, I want to have my own house, my own porch. I want to do this and do that. I was into real estate. I'm going to have my education. I want to go to UCLA. I want to do this. I want to do all this. And, th and I remember the question. He's like, well, those are great goals, but what's your purpose? What is purpose? And I, I literally had goals for my life, but I have no purpose for all these goals in my life. So that's the internal change that God starts doing in your heart. And I always get this question. How do you know there's a God and it's not your, your own faith? Do you just believe in something? And because you believe, it changes you to do those things. But then I look into when you believe in the God of the Bible, the things that he produces on you, totally selfless. And then you see the end results that you get to enjoy life, to enjoy your co-workers, to enjoy what God has given you. 
Because you could achieve so many and a lot of things and not being able to enjoy them. But when God blesses you, you're able to enjoy those things. But uh, I got a question for you today. What has God been trying to get your attention? Maybe not just today. What's the relationship, the job, situation that you got going on right now that has been going on for a while? And you're like, I don't know, but I feel stuck here. I'm losing my hair, losing my health. I'm losing my family. I'm losing my cousin. Whatever you're losing, whatever you feel that pain, maybe God is trying to call your attention to do something, to change. And that's what the book actually says, that that's one of the things God uses, uses the crisis to actually help you change. The second thing that the book actually says is that you got to stay committed. How many of you guys signed up for a gym membership at the beginning of the year? I did. How many of you guys are still going to the gym? So part of it is one of the things that uh, Monica didn't mention. She's been a Christian for 16 years. So she's been sticking with it. She's been faithful to the good and to the bad. And I think that's one of the things that the book really mentions. When we want to change, we got to stick to the commitment. We got to say, okay, we commit to whatever you're doing, God. I don't get it, but I'm going to stick with it. The third phase that he talks about is confession. And it's when we confess, this is my weakness. This is where I need help. This is the area that I need to change. And we open ourselves to God. And, and that's another thing Monica didn't share, but she shared with me that those years of switching careers, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just switching. It was hard. It was painful. It was disappointing to many people. And she had to get real with people, with sisters, with women in her life, but also with God. And that's the, the other stage that you got to go through when you're going through change. The fourth one that uh, it's highlighted in the book is collaboration. You got to get rid of your old self and allow to do what God wants to do on you. And it's amazing because we see Joseph going through this. He was, you know, the, the paper's son. He even told his brothers, oh, look at, you know, I'm, you guys going to bow down before me. Later on, he's like, no, this was all God. You don't have to bow down to me. And if you study, if you study the story of his dad, he went through the same thing. He was literally named a liar, a cheater. And he's actually changed his name to Israel, which is Prince of God. So that's when we start collaborating with who God created you to be. Not who you want to be. Not who you desire to be. And a lot of times... Society defines who we are. And that's how we kind of create our perception. And just to conclude, like you read in Romans 12, when we start, it says, let go of the world, but renew your mind. Renew your mind with the image that God has for you. And this is really real. This is something that I'm sure God is already working in your life. And I don't know how much time I have. Otherwise, I will tell you another story that I have. But um, I'll close it up here with the prayer. Um, dear God, thank you so much for using us as a tools, Father, tonight. Thank you for your scriptures, Father. Thank you for every person that is here because they're not just people attending here. They're an answer prayer, Father, to Monica and I. I pray, Father, that through a scripture, I pray that through a story, people feel touched, God, to be empowered to change. 
Ultimately, you are the one that empowers us to change. You were the one that created us for great things, God. I don't know where we're stuck. I don't know where we're feeling the pain. But I pray for everybody here, God, that you could work in their hearts, in their lives, and they could become those amazing human beings you create them to be in their families, in their jobs, in their communities, God. I love you, and we give you all the glory. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we got a few minutes for questions. So if someone wants to ask questions, go ahead. If not, we're not <laughs> we got extra candy, right? All right. No questions. It's good. Thanks for coming. I think uh, do you guys are dismissed. If no questions. All right, you guys want to hear the story? How God is renewing my mind? All right. I think it was meant to happen. Okay, so this is how God is really working in my life right now. So there's a scripture, Proverbs 31, verse 30, says, uh, it actually reads, it says that um, beauty is fleeting, charming is deceitful, but the woman that fears the Lord is to be praised. So it's, it's an amazing principle. But for me, I think I had a little bit twist. Because for some reason, when I met someone that was charming, I felt really attracted to that person, which is natural. Later on, when they're beautiful, I felt even more attractive. And if they fear God, that was a plus. But then I realized that that was not the way the Bible says things. And I'm so grateful how God is patient. And even what he says in the scripture, test what is good. Doesn't even say, you're a robber. you got to do what I tell you to do, and that's it. He's like, okay, test it out. So I, I tried to build relationships based on that foundation. I tried to build friendships on that foundation. And then I found myself really frustrated. I found myself angry. And I was like, God, what's going on? You know, I felt this connection. I felt this emotions. This is awesome. You know, but then at the end of the days, I found myself not feeling good, patient, or perfect in the relationships that I was building. And it became so real. And when I read the scripture, it felt like when I read the scriptures for the first time, like it clicked something inside. You know, because believe it or not, there's things, and this is one of them for me, that I'll do anything. You know, I started working out, started exercising started doing this i started doing that but then i realized that that was not the answer the answer was the scriptures and teaching me okay look at the women the fear god and then look at everything else but first look at the women the fear god and god is helping me build amazing friendships and that's what i think the bible talks about the renewing in your mind and it's not easy and i'm sure everyone has a story but that's the story i wanted to tell if we had extra time. Thanks. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.